Okay, I got 6.30. So thank you for coming out tonight. And uh, tonight I'm going to pray. We're going to open up chapter 2 and take off. How's that? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've offered us uh, a secret knowledge that the world without the Holy Spirit will never know. That knowledge is given to us by your grace through your word. And tonight we seek to know you by knowing your word, which reveals your son, which reveals the father. And we ask that you do that with your power in Jesus name. Amen. As we begin tonight, uh, chapter two, Paul's going to explain the difference between human wisdom and method. So let's put that over here on this side. Human wisdom, the ability to communicate something and wisdom to the Holy Spirit's sovereign power of God. So when we start reading verse 1 in chapter 2, it's a comparing of the methods to advance the kingdom, advance the gospel. What methods? How do we move forward? Uh, go into all nations and make disciples. How? Preach the gospel. How? How do you do it? So here we go. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I want you to focus on what he said in verse 4. And my message and my preaching was very plain. So, right now, none of us can answer the question, but we can imagine. I wonder what kind of a preacher Paul was. He describes himself as my message and my speaking was very plain. Yet he changed the world. I didn't rely on my human wisdom or my human intellect. What do you say? I, I decided I'm going to forget everything except Jesus. I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit. So, as I write this study, um, when I was writing this, I too am tempted to use human wisdom and lofty words. Let me tell you what that means, because I have several friends that are preachers, and we talk about it. It's tempting to use human wisdom and lofty words. Uh, it's tempting as you open up, let's just say you decide you're going to do a study on 1 Corinthians. Where do you start? Now I can tell you, a group, the majority of people, and I don't mean this in criticism, please don't think I do. I believe the majority of people would go buy a book on 1 Corinthians. And they would read a book on 1 Corinthians. And they would take what they got out of that book in 1 Corinthians and do a study. I make a point to never do that. There's the difference. And I'm not trying to elevate my method. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm the non-method. I'm the anti-method. Why? Because I have this fear that to do that short-circuits the ability of the Holy Spirit to take, while I open 1 Corinthians and read it, for the Holy Spirit to reveal to me in that moment what he wants to communicate to this church. So I don't, I don't use human wisdom. That is, now listen, there are times when I get stumped. And, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know about this one. And I'll go and I'll research and I'll talk to people and I'll do study. Please don't misunderstand. But during this, I'll just tell you, this entire 12 sessions of 1 Corinthians, I use the Bible. And I pray. 
and I go page by page, verse by verse, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will show me what to write down on a piece of paper and what to communicate and how to communicate. I'm convicted by these five verses to simply read the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about the secrets of God. See, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit still does that. Paul makes it clear that that's how he preached. That's how he talked. Jesus, and here's why. I just read to you those first five verses. Now push pause on 1 Corinthians, and I want to prove to you what Paul says is the way to advance the kingdom. Jesus, after the resurrection, is on the road to Emmaus. And I'm going to ask you a question. In his resurrected church-age body, how did he advance the kingdom? In G- if you want to know how to advance the kingdom, watch Jesus. In his resurrected church-age body, all right, death, burial, resurrection is finished. He's walking down the road with some guys on the road to Emmaus. How did he advance the kingdom? Here it comes. Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he, Jesus, talked with us on the road? And what did he do? As he ta- what did they talk about? What did they talk about while they're on the road? And he explained the scriptures to us. And what happened to those cats when he explained the scriptures? Their hearts burned on the inside. Do you think this still happens? I think it still happens. That the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. That when it is applied to the heart of man, it says, they said that our hearts burned within us as he talked on the road. And what did he talk about? And he explained the Scriptures. Now, I want to tell you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, all that stuff wasn't written yet. So what's he explaining? He's explaining the Old Testament. The Son of Man must be... um, given to the hands of sinful men, crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day. He's telling them that all this was written down, if you all read it. It was all in there. Immediately after that scene, on the road to Emmaus, immediately after that scene, Jesus appears again in his resurrected church-age body to his apostles, and he says this, Please don't miss it. If you were in the It Is Written series, we focused on this to launch that series. But I I need you to understand the connection between 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, the first five verses, and what Jesus says in the resurrection. Verse 36, Luke 24. And just as they were telling about it, that's these guys from Emmaus telling, we just met Jesus on the road and he explained the scriptures to us. Our hearts burned inside of us. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? Jesus asked. Is that a crazy question? You know, there's some humor in this book, okay? Why are you frightened? Because we thought you were dead. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And he spoke, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. And then he said, here it comes, here it comes. When I was with you before, I told you everything. All right, I'm going to hold it up. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, number one, in the prophets, number two, and in the Psalms, number three. What did he just outline? He outlined the Old Testament. Everything written about me must be fulfilled. Then he did something. Here's where we're going tonight. He's the only one that can do it. There is no method on this earth that can do what's happening in verse 45. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. 
I, I don't know if it was like this. I don't know. I don't know what he did, how he did it. Maybe he went. I saw him do that on TV a few times. I don't know how they do it. I just know this. He opened their minds. And at that moment, I believe everything started rushing in on them. All of the stuff that they didn't get suddenly starts to go together. And I get it. I get it. Can they do it for themselves? No. Could they do it to each other? No. Could, could somebody come in with a method, a 12-step plan? No, 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 no. How? God does it. And verse 46, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message, I'm going to do it again, I'm going to do it again. It was also written that this message, what message? I'm holding it. This message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name. Not in the authority of a method. In the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. So, is this unstoppable? It's unstoppable. The only question is whether or not you're going to be a part of it. It's unstoppable. Why? Because it's written. And no one can stop what is written. He said, it's going to be preached to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. What's going to be preached? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. <laughs> and you know what? Many churches, they don't want to preach repentance. And the foundational sentence of Jesus in the resurrection is what? That there's forgiveness of sins through repentance. That's good news. Why wouldn't you want to preach good news? Because people don't want to repent. That's why. Verse, um, verse 48. You are witnesses of all these things. And here it comes. Here it comes for tonight. Let me connect the dots between uh, Luke and 1 Corinthians. And now, this is after the resurrection, I will send the Holy Spirit. Just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with what? Fills you with what? Power. Power to do what? You can't do what He's given you the job to do without it. Because it is not a it. It is a Him. His name is Jesus. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. The power from heaven. Power to preach. Power to open minds. Power to understand the, un, the secret wisdom of God. You can take a fisherman who has no clue. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Fishermen who have no clue of the secret wisdom of God. They didn't go to Gamaliel's theological seminary. They were fishermen in Galilee. Country folks. And yet he opened their minds and the Holy Spirit comes. And suddenly, suddenly, these guys know the secret wisdom of God. They don't just know the secret wisdom of God. They know how to tell you about the secret wisdom of God. How? Because it's not them doing it. It's Jesus inside of them doing it. Forget everything except Jesus. Now, now, now look back up at 1 Corinthians 2, the first five verses. Paul says, I, I decided when I was going to come to you, I'm not going to use impressive methods or speech, intellectual conversations. I'm, I'm determined I'm going to forget everything except Jesus. Why? Why? You know the answer. Because that's the only way I'm going to get you knuckleheads to get it. Right? That's the only way anybody's going to get it is if he does it. If he opens your minds, and I come in weakness, and I come in trembling. Why? Because the power of God is not manifest in arrogance. The power of God is not manifest in, in, in wisdom. It is manifest in weakness. For when I, What's Paul say? For when I am weak, what? I am strong. It was in this condition, weakness and trembling, that Paul was used of God to spread the good news about the crucified Christ 
around the world. It is in this same condition of humility. Listen carefully. The same condition of humility and the same condition of absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit that the secret wisdom of God will be revealed today. I want to say it again. I'm convinced that the, the church, the kingdom, will only be advanced by the Holy Spirit. There is no other method. Only by the Holy and And that Holy Spirit comes in humility. Not, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in humility. It comes when we are in humility. He doesn't need humility. We need humility. That opens the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Remember, all of this, what? This secret wisdom of God that Paul's communicating to the world. All of this is foolishness to those who are perishing, right? Why? Before I read it, why? Why is it foolishness to those who are perishing? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're never going to understand the secret wisdoms of God. In fact, it's the opposite. You'll think the secret wisdom of God is foolishness. Because you don't have the Spirit that opened your mind to understand it. Verse 6, here we go. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. So when does he get to pull out the deep stuff? Huh? Come on, that's what he's saying. When I am among mature believers... Those who the Holy Spirit has enabled their minds to go deep. I do speak with a words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. Now, the New International calls it the secret wisdom of God. His plan, what is that? What is the secret wisdom of God? Paul calls it his plan that was previously hidden. Well, that's why it's secret wisdom. Because if it wasn't hidden, it wouldn't be secret. It's secret wisdom because the generations before did not have the enlightenment of their mind. Let me read it again. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory, when? When? Before the world began. That's a long time to keep a secret. You know it? That's a long time to keep a secret. Verse 8, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. What? What are we talking about? The secret wisdom of God. The rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had understood it, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the Scriptures mean when they say, you know what Paul's doing right now? He is quoting the book of Isaiah. And he says, this is what the Scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. You know, this is one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible. You know what most people quote this scripture? And again, I think it applies to both, but it's not the context of both. It applies to, people quote this scripture about what heaven's going to be like. No eye has seen, no mind, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, right? I believe that's true. I don't think our mind can comprehend what God's got planned for us. However, that's not the context of this sentence. You know what the context of this is? No eye has seen. Why didn't they see? Because the Holy Spirit didn't reveal it to them. No ear has heard. Why couldn't they hear? It's about right now. It's not about a future, what world of heaven's going to be like. It's about right now, why aren't people getting it? It's about right now, why isn't somebody seeing what the person beside them sees clearly? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Well, how, how do you fix that? God does. Stay with me. I can't do it. God can do it. Only God does it. Only God. If it is indeed God's secret wisdom... A mystery 
then only God will be able to reveal it. Luke 24, 45. Let me repeat. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Jesus did it. It's a secret mystery, secret wisdom of God. If it's his, then it's up to him to reveal it. Okay? In this letter to Corinth, Paul quotes, and I just read it to you, a 700-year-old scripture from Isaiah. First thing I just ask is, how does he know 700-year-old scripture from Isaiah? Well, you say, well, he was a good student. And by the way, he did go to Gamaliel's school of theology. He was trained under a Pharisee named Gamaliel. So maybe it's just memorization. I would lean more toward the fact that the Holy Spirit is spilled and his mind has been enlightened and he knows much of the Scripture because God's revealing it to him. So he is in, the, in a church at Corinth quoting as authority a 700-year-old sentence from the prophet Isaiah. Well, let me read the context of that Isaiah quote. Okay? Again, 700 years earlier, Isaiah writes this. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. By the way, I've prayed that on numerous occasions. Why would Isaiah, let's just stop for a moment. Why would Isaiah want God to burst from the heavens and come down? Why? You know, you know the answer. To whoop everybody? No, I don't, well, there's probably some application for that one. Why? Because Isaiah has the secret wisdom. And nobody believes him. Oh, if you would burst from the heavens and come down, they would believe that what I tell them is life. Right? What? Now can you see? It hasn't come yet, but in a moment he's going to say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind. But if you'd burst from the heavens and come down, you'd fix all three of those problems. Their eyes would see you, their ears would hear you, and their mind would get you. Oh, if you would burst forth from the heavens and come down, how the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason of your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, here it comes. Here's what Paul quotes 700 years later. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for Him. This is the mystery. This is the secret that was revealed to Paul and Paul then, under the power of the Holy Spirit, revealed it to Corinth and to the world. So tonight, I'm going to just ask you a question. Do you get it? There's one back there that did. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you get it? Has God revealed it to you? Open your mind to understand the Scriptures? I, and I'm being really frank and, and, and specific. When you take this book and you open it up and you read it, and you, and you turn everything off, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, turn every, get, get up by yourself, and you read this. Do you get it? Because it's the Holy Spirit that allows you to get it. Now, I am not pretending like everybody gets it the same. No. There are some that will be more gifted in some areas, that, but, but, but do, you, do you get it? Do you have eyes that see? Do you have ears that hear? Do you have a mind that can conceive? Because I have a lot of people that say, you know, Terry, I read that, I, I just, I'm not getting it. Maybe that's you. Tonight I want you to listen carefully to the application. Because this isn't a history lesson about a church 2,000 years ago. This is present reality. Right now, same deal. We got the same deal Corinth did. Do you get it? Go to verse 10. Let's keep moving. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's secret, His deep secrets. 
No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Now, how many times has the word spirit come up so far? It's everywhere, right? And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can what? We can know, K-N-O-W, we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Do you know? Do you know the wonderful things God has freely given us? Because if you know it, I'm going to tell you where you got it. It was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, now listen carefully. Does that mean that some preacher, some teacher, some Christian believer in your family was used by the Holy Spirit? Yes, 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 he does that. But just saying it without the Holy Spirit ain't it. Saying it through the Holy Spirit is it. Receiving it by the power of the Holy Spirit is it. If that's not true, then all you have to do is get a preacher who's got the Holy Spirit and get 10,000 people, force them into a room, drive them in like cattle and let him preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and everybody in there is going to be a believer, right? That's not how it works, is it? That preacher might have the Holy Spirit and he may be enlightened, but that doesn't mean just because he says the secret wisdom that everyone who heard it got it, Right? The Holy Spirit reveals individually. Individually. Verse 10 again. But it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has given us. That's why programs and methods will never advance and expand the kingdom of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit will do it. And it seems to come in our weakness and humility, never in the times of strength. Let me give you a personal example of that. Um, I study a lot to do what I do on Sunday mornings. I do. I study a lot. And there are some sermons I cannot wait to get out here and preach. Because I'm thinking, whoa, that's a good one. That's a good one. I can't wait to come because I'm thinking, whoa, that's a good one. And there are some that I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. I'm not feeling it. Lord, I'm not feeling it. Because I just, I'm, I'm just not getting it. I'm not feeling it. Here's my experience. You know, the most powerful sermons I've ever preached is the ones I'm not feeling. And I'm absolutely convinced that God does that to keep me from becoming proud. And he's good at it. He's really good at it. Because there's sometimes when I come out here and I think I've got, wow, that's the best sermon I've ever, and I preach it, and I'm like, well, that was a dud. And the one that I didn't want to bring off the desk is the one that changes people's lives. Why? It's the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I decided to come to you in weakness. And I decided to come to you and forget everything except Jesus Christ and stand in front of you and allow only the power of Jesus to get you. Not my clever speech, not my intellect, not how I laid it out. Just let him get you. Because when he gets you, you've been got. Just let him do it. Paul said, while I was with you, I determined to forget everything and that changed the world. And here we are 2,000 years later reading his letter. Only the Holy Spirit could have done that. Only the Holy Spirit could accomplish that. So what happens? Here we go. So what happens to a person that has their mind opened to this secret wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit? What happens? Verse 13. When we tell you these things, when we preach these things, when we teach these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. 
using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't get it. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths for God's spirit, from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. The source of this secret wisdom is not human. Let me make it clear. The source of this secret wisdom is not human. So human wisdom will never explain it, and human wisdom will never by itself experience it. Only the Spirit of God can reveal this, and once revealed, it will be shared with others by the unstoppable power of the Holy Spirit. Let, let me put it this way. You can't, I can't give you what I don't have. But even if I have the Holy Spirit, I can't give you the Holy Spirit because I want to. I can't do it. I can't put oil in your lamp. I can tell you where to get oil. And I can tell you where I got oil. And I can demonstrate what oil in your lamp looks like. But I cannot give you oil. I can't give you the Holy Spirit. I don't, it's not, I don't have that kind of power. And that's important for us to know. We have limitations. You know, one of the things that I had to come to grips several years back is... It's not up to me. You know, one of the frustrating, you know, most preachers quit. You know why preachers quit? Because they feel frustrated that they cannot impart the gift that they have received to those who do not have it. And the gift is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I preach and I preach and I preach and I preach, and these people walk out unsaved. So they quit because it's so frustrating. But you have to come to this conclusion. What Paul said is, who do you think you are? You know what? That's God's thing. He does that. We're just servants. He's the master. We just lay it out there. We just, we just prepare this meal. And if some people come and partake of it, hallelujah. If some people walk away, that's on you. That's on them. It's not on me. I can't do it. And, you, and, in, and in, this line, in this calling, you better come to grips with that. Or you will lose your mind. You've got to come to grips. We have a very limited power. He has unlimited power. But that power is his, not ours. This final, this fi then the final verse in chapter 2, I wrote, makes my brain hurt. Here's why. Verse 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? We, we've talked about this secret wisdom all night, right? Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's what hurts my head. We have the mind of Christ? We have... You're talking to me? We have the mind of Christ? How can we possibly have the mind of Christ? Only His presence coming inside of us, abiding us in us, is that why. So, so here's where we're going. Kind of a change of direction when we're going to chapter 3. How do you get the mind of Christ? You get Christ. And, and it's not on the outside you get Jesus. You've got to get Jesus on the inside. He's got to come inside of you. Now I recognize as I say those words that to an unbeliever that's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is the secret wisdom of God. You must know this, when the Spirit comes, you will know Jesus, and He will know you. When the Spirit comes, you will know Jesus, and He will know you. Let me prove it to you. Paul's in 1 Corinthians, and let's go over to John 17. Because this is going to prepare you for what's coming next. John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. 
I brought glory to you here on earth, Jesus says to the Father, by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. And here's what he says. He's about ready to go to the cross, by the way, when he says this. He says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. I, what's Jesus' job? What's Jesus' job? He's in this, one of his final prayers before he goes to the cross. And what does he say to his daddy? He says, I have revealed you to those you gave me. I allowed them to see you by seeing me. I have revealed you, Father, to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and to many others. Because you gave them to me. They were always yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept what? <laughs> I don't know why I think this is so simple. And they and what did and they've kept your word. I I gave them, I, I revealed you to them. And they've kept your word. You see a connection there? You better see a connection there. And they kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I passed on to them what? What I passed on to them what? How did he reveal to them the Father? I passed on to them the message. What is the message? You've got it. The message I got from you, I gave to them. And that's how they know you. And that's how I revealed you to them. How? They saw God when they saw Jesus. And when they got to know Jesus, they got to know who God was. And the Word revealed that Jesus was who He said He was. And they kept the Word. Verse 7, Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, and I passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and they know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. Knowing Jesus by knowing the Word. Knowing Jesus reveals God the Father. So here's the sequence. Listen, the Word reveals Jesus, and when you know who Jesus is, you'll know who the Father is. And don't try to reverse the order because it won't work. The Word reveals Christ. And once you know Christ, you'll know the Father because when you know Jesus, He'll reveal the Father to you. That's, why, that's what He did to them. The mind of Christ comes to those who receive the Holy Spirit. It is the revealing. The Holy Spirit is the revealing. If you want the revealing without the Holy Spirit, you're deceived. It is the revealing. The Holy Spirit comes with various gifts and opportunities to share the secret wisdom of God. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit reveals the Son. And knowing the Son reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit tells you who Jesus is. The truth of Jesus. So, so let, me, let me one more time. John 14. Jesus says, If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you and later... Oh, 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 what, what? And He lives with you. Now notice Jesus is announcing something's going to change. Right now He lives with you. But after a few weeks and months... He's going to be in you. What? Right now He lives with you. But soon He will be in you. Stay with me. No. Verse 18. I will not abandon you as orphans. I thought you were leaving, Jesus. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Who's coming? He says the Holy Spirit's coming. Another advocate's coming. Who's coming? And then He says, I'm coming. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm coming. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming. He's not coming with skin on him, but he's coming. The Spirit's coming. Who's the Spirit? The Spirit of Christ is coming. Let me read it again. Verse 18. I will not abandon you as orphans. I am leaving, by the way. The, one, the Jesus that had skin on him, that Jesus is leaving. 
but I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, this is the resurrection, you will know. Here it comes. I'm going to show you something in a minute. And when the resurrection happens, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Don't miss it. I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and and what? What's the result? What's the end of all that? And I will reveal myself to each of them. So here we go. I'm going to show you something. Stay on that page. Stay on that page. I'm going to do something. Okay. Go up there and and look where it says... um, Verse 20, at the end of verse 20. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. All right, here, I'm going to give you an illustration. Here's a Terry Cooper business card. So here's Terry Cooper, okay? And this is Jesus, okay? Stay with me. Terry Cooper, what did that just say? Terry Cooper's in Jesus, right? So I'm going to take Terry Cooper, my little business card, and I'm going to put it in my Jesus envelope. Where's Terry Cooper? Terry Cooper's in Jesus. But that doesn't stop there, does it? So then, Jesus says something. You will be in me, and I will be in you. Hmm? So, I got Terry inside of Jesus, and I'm not done. I got to take Terry inside of Jesus and put him inside of Terry. I'm just doing what he says, okay? Y'all looking at me funny. And we're not done. So I've got Terry inside of Jesus, and then I take Terry inside of Jesus and put that inside of Terry. But there's one more. Then Terry inside of Jesus and Jesus inside of Terry is going inside of the Father. Where's Terry? Where's Terry? If Satan wants to come get Terry, what's he going to do now? He wants to get Terry. I believe Satan would like to get Terry. What's he going to have to do to get Terry? He's going to have to go through the Father. He's going to have to go through the Son. Because I belong to them. I am in them. And they are in me. I'm going to read it again. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. How powerful is that when you're having a bad time? Did you think the study of 1 Corinthians would spend this much time in the Gospel of John and Luke? I hope your answer would be yes. You see, the study of 1 Corinthians isn't to reveal Paul. It isn't to reveal the church at Corinth. The study of 1 Corinthians is to reveal Jesus and the Father. To know them and this mystery called the gospel. So when you read 1 Corinthians, you better be finding Jesus. Because that's why it's there. So what about spiritual maturity? We're about ready to start chapter 3. What about spiritual maturity? Do we suddenly know and understand everything when the Holy Spirit comes to us? Or is there need and time to grow into maturity? So when the Holy Spirit comes to suddenly, all the secret wisdoms of God are uh, suddenly in an instant moment, I suppose he could do that. That's not been my experience. Let's find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by the sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, 
aren't you acting just like the people of the world? I wonder if they paid him for that sermon. I bet he left without a check that day. Why? Because that's not very nice. Remember how we started this study? Do we belong to Jesus or do we belong to the world? Because everybody's going to belong to somebody. Let's go to verse 5. And after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be, and I want you to get this word, rewarded. It's important that you get that word, okay? Both are going to be rewarded for their own hard work. Even though their roles are different, I want you to see something. Apollos and Paul had different roles. He says this, that I planted the seeds, Apollos, Apollos watered them. They didn't have the exact same job. They had different callings in the body, in the church. And he says, both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Please remember that, because I'm going to be the closer tonight. Apollos and Paul, different jobs, different tasks, same church. Both will be rewarded. For we, verse 9, are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. God's workers, God's field, God's building, we belong to Him, we don't belong to this world. God's, God's, God's. That's possessive, which means He possesses us. If you're struggling with the idea that you're a slave, you're still not getting this thing yet. You're a slave. You ought to say hallelujah to that one. I'm a slave. Hallelujah. You know what that means? He bought you. That's the deal of a lifetime. He bought you. God calls and God elects and God empowers. And what's it called? When God calls and God elects and God empowers, what's it called? I call it grace. Because he didn't have to. Verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I, Paul, have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others, Apollos for example, are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. And what is the foundation? Jesus Christ. Tonight, I'm standing in front of you building on Paul's foundation. You ever th I think of that just exactly that way. I am building on Paul's foundation. But Paul's foundation came from and is Jesus Christ. This is where the building gets very interesting. We're going to close tonight with 12 through 15. Some of the most confusing, controversial, hard to understand verses you'll find in 1 Corinthians. Let me just read it, and then I'm going to make an attempt to explain it. Verse 12. Anyone who builds on that foundation, what foundation? Jesus Christ, right? Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, and jewels. So let me just let me explain it as I go. Those are precious materials, right? That's the expensive stuff. But here comes category B. Anyone who builds on this foundation can use various materials. The first three he gives are very expensive, extraordinary materials. Gold, silver, and um, jewels. But here's the second category. Or you could use wood, hay, and straw. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Now pause for a moment. When the fire comes and your work has been straw and hay, what's going to happen? It's going to burn up. It's not going to pass through the fire. 
but if it was gold and silver and jewels, the idea is there is some labor of man that will pass through the flames, that will make it through the fire. But there is other works of man that will not pass through. What? They'll be consumed in the fire. What's the fire? He says, and when judgment day comes, so you don't have to guess what the fire is. Okay? The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Here it comes, verse 14. If the work survives, that builder will receive what? Say it out loud. A reward. I want you to listen carefully. This is where people get tripped up. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, so what's that first guy? What did he build with? Let's just break him down. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Well, if it survives, it must have been gold, silver, or jewels. Right? You with me? It had to have been built with gold, silver, and jewels. Because fire's going to mess up the other stuff. In fact, that's the next verse. But if the work is burned up, the builder will, will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What does it mean? <laughs> now I'm going to make this as simple as possible. When whoever builds under the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. I am convinced that Paul built with gold, silver, and jewels. And tonight I read to you what that meant. Do you remember? I came to you in weakness. I didn't come with clever methods or wisdom or eloquent speech. I came to you forgetting everything except Jesus. And I allowed, Paul said, I allowed the Holy Spirit to fully take charge of this ministry. He's building with gold, silver, and jewels. Whoever builds under the power of the Holy Spirit is like using the precious materials. Now, that person is accepting God's assignment. That person is is allowing God to assign him a gift, assign him the task, and work fully under the authority and the gift and the task. Used of God, of God, Holy Spirit, driven by God, not by self. But what about the other guy? The other guy? You see, I'm convinced that the other person, whoever builds by human wisdom, please listen carefully. There's a lot of people who want to tell God what they're going to do for Him. I'm, God, let me show you what I'm going to do to make you famous. Whoever builds by human wisdom and happens to be absent of the Holy Spirit. Do, do you see that they don't go together? Human wisdom must be put aside for the Holy Spirit to reign. Whoever builds by human wisdom, absent of the Holy Spirit, is like using wood, hay, and straw. It will not endure the work, and the work of the builder will suffer loss. Stay with me. But he's a believer. Stay with me. He's a believer. But he never allowed his life's work to be Holy Spirit driven. But he is a believer. Are we saved by our works, whether they are hay, straw, or, or gold, or jewels? No, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And then you read this story. Listen, salvation is not based on works. So this isn't a matter of salvation. You know what this is a matter of? Some of you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. You know what it's a matter of? Rewards. And I'm going to explain with one sentence what that means. 
Is there anybody in the room tonight that thinks that your reward in the eternal kingdom will be equivalent to or the same as the Apostle Paul? Raise your hand. Why didn't you raise your hand? Because even in your mind, you understand something about justice. And God is the God of justice. And I have no concept that I should be anywhere in the neighborhood of where the Apostle Paul will be in the eternal kingdom. I'm perfectly fine with just sending him a postcard every now and then saying, you're one of my heroes. Okay? What Paul has just described to the church is that there will be rewards in the eternal kingdom. Everybody's not going to be the same in the eternal kingdom. It'll be perfect. It'll be righteous. It'll be just because God will do the assigning. And He's always right. He's never been wrong. So it says, this one who built with straw and hay and wood, his works did not survive the fire of judgment. But his faith barely, his faith did. His works didn't. But he passed through the fire. Rewards is what's being described, not salvation. Barely escaping through the wall of flames. That's what human wisdom, in the best case, listen to me tonight, in the very best case, human wisdom will get you barely escaping through the wall of flames. Now, I know people, and I know people who will look at me and say, that's okay with me. Because I've had people look at me and say that. That's okay with me. I don't care. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll do the garden in heaven. I don't care. Just don't send me to hell. You know what you don't understand? The most incredible thing you will ever do is to humble yourself in the presence of God and allow His Holy Spirit to direct your life. Now, can you now, right, maybe tonight for the first time in your life you understand why Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, you must deny yourself, take up a cross and follow me. I want you to look at those three things and all three of them described in this text. Deny yourself, I must decrease so that he might increase. Take up a cross. What do you think a cross is? It's your assignment. It's your calling. It's the reason you're here breathing his air. So I'm going to ask a real pointed question. Do you right now know what you're here for? Have you experienced the calling? Do you know that this is why I'm on earth? Truthfully, I have no idea where that line is drawn between barely escaping and not escaping. But I know this. I'm going to say it again. If somebody comes to me and says, where's that line? You barely escaped. I don't know where that's at. I'll trust God to do that part. I'm, uh, it's over my pay grade. But I do know this. I do know this. John 17, 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so He can give glory back to you. For you have given Him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given Him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by what? How did Jesus do it? Come on, how did He do it? I brought glory to you, God, here on earth by doing what? Building with hay and straw? Nope. How? How do you do it? By completing the work you gave me to do. What was the work you gave him to do? Deny yourself. Take up a cross. Follow me. That's what I'm supposed to do. Deny myself. Take up the assignment of the Holy Spirit that He has given me to do. And follow Him. That's why I'm here. So, here's the closing tonight. I am pretty sure, <laughs> I'll qualify it, I'm pretty sure I know what I have today. It was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. 
I was so convinced when the Holy Spirit did it that I quit my job, went into the ministry. I heard, I encountered God. I fail, and I don't even have a problem admitting it, at the whole human wisdom and the clever, lofty words part. I get it. Every now and then, when I want a good laugh, I will sit and watch one of my sermon videos. And I sound just like a country bumpkin. But I can tell you tonight, I have encountered the risen Christ. I will never be the same. He has changed me, and I have been born again by the water and the Spirit. And now I grow to spiritual maturity as I wait for my Redeemer and my Deliverer to arrive. And while I'm waiting, I have to tell you and a whole bunch of other people that God is calling watchmen from all over the earth. And He's putting inside of them a message. Jesus is coming. And number three, make the church ready. She thinks she's ready. She is not. Sharing with others that which He has revealed and share with me on this journey toward the promised land. And while I do that, while you do that, while we do that, one last thing. Where are you? We are surrounded by the presence of God. I am in Him. He is in me. And we are in the Father. How's that for a good deal? Father, tonight in Jesus' name we give you thanks. We ask for your Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, so that we might know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent to save the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight.